0: Welcome to Lighthouse Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged with today's message. I'm excited to be here. We're starting a new series called The Twelve. I'm going to break down the next few weeks, the Twelve Disciples, and it's going to talk about the relationships that they had and how they weren't haphazardly chosen by Jesus. How many people know that when Jesus made a decision, it was always from the Father, right? There was reasons why he did. And so we're going to break these disciples down. Uh, This first week, I'm going to be talking about Peter and Andrew, who were brothers. And I'm going to break it down. And as I do it, I want you to think about um, maybe if you fit into either one of those personalities. And then we'll continue with the rest of the disciples as we go on. It looks like it's going to be a four-week sermon series. Dustin's going to help me out with it, too. So just so you know. If you want to, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Good morning. I'm so glad you're here. here. I tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to you that's really, really important. As we move on, it's going to be more and more important in this country that we live in, and even in this world, that we're going to need each other. It's going to become more and more obvious that we're going to need encouragement for one another, that we're going to need to be able to pray for one another, and really lift each other up, because it's, it's, it's pretty tough going out there, isn't it? I mean, it's like, it's hard, if I, I could say it this way, it's hard to find sources of encouragement. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anything you look at now, it seems like it takes from you. There's a more, I should say lesser and less, less and less, maybe that's what I want to say, sources that you can connect to that can bring encouragement to you. Isn't that true? It's hard to find that. And if we're not careful, we can get ourselves pretty discouraged just by perusing Facebook. It's not true, and so we've got to realize how important this is. And if you're not getting encouraged here, listen, connect somehow. Find, see if you're connecting. See if you aren't find. You know, if there's some disconnect somehow, and make sure you're getting connected because we want you to be encouraged. We want you to walk out of every Sunday morning feeling connected. It's important, right? It's important. Even myself, uh, when I'm preaching a message, most of the time I'm preaching it to myself. Do you know that? Right? It's what I've gone through, what I've experienced. So, connect this morning. Connect. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that your anointing is here to break the yoke. I thank you for the wonderful set that the worship team brought this morning and bringing us into the presence of the Lord. I pray that you stir every heart this morning, that you open every heart for the seeds to be planted in us, that we may be transformed and changed. Because we that's our desire, Father. We want to be more Christ-like. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the series I'm going to examine and discuss the 12 disciples of Jesus, and how each played an integral part in the whole, and how it relates to today's church. How many people know this, and I probably just need to make it as a statement, everybody here adds something distinct to this body. When they made you, they broke the mold, and somebody said, Amen. We're not sure the world could handle two of you. Sometimes the world can't handle one of you. Right? And so everybody brings something very unique, and if I could say, you, you know, unique and powerful, and even this, catch this, ready? Exciting. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not very excited. No, you, you actually could be. Every one of you brings something powerful. Every one of you brings something that is so unique that's needed. I love when Paul talked about the body of Christ. He likened it to a physical body. Why? Because if you lose one part of the body, you are inhibited from performing perfectly. So every one of you brings something that's important. Every one of you has strengths. Every one of you has weaknesses. And what's beautiful about a church is usually your weaknesses are fortified by somebody else in the church, right? How many people know my strengths aren't your strengths, nor are your strengths my strengths? We're all different, and we all lend to having this perfect body with Christ being the center, being the head, amen? And so after this series, I'm hoping by the end of the series, that you'll be able to celebrate and recognize your strengths and even understand some of your weaknesses and be okay with it. Not okay to the point that we don't want to change, but okay with the fact that you're not going to be all in all. There is one that is the all in all, and that's Jesus. Amen? But we're striving, we're desiring to be like Him. But there's going to be issues and different things in our lives that make up who we are, and we have to be okay with that and allow God to touch that. Amen? Amen? Okay, so did I tell you to turn to Matthew 10? Verses 1 through 4 says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Now, this is what I want you to get. Verse 2, these are his 12 disciples. This is what we're dealing with the next few weeks. The name of his 12 disciples. First, say Simon. Simon who is called Peter, right? And his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. So right away he names two brothers that were called. And then he says they're the son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, who's Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and of course the bad guy, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, I will guarantee you, as we go through this series, that you will be able to identify your personality with one of these disciples. Hopefully not the last one. Okay, if you identify with Judas Iscariot, let's have an intervention. (laughs) Okay, sorry. They all had their strengths and weaknesses, and Jesus chose them for a reason. Now, I want to say this right up front. I'm going to give you a ton of information about, specifically first, Peter, because there's so much in the Bible about him. But I want to give you a lot of background so you can understand them. Because how many people know, if we understand people's backgrounds, sometimes we can understand their personality more fully, right? Because if I just say, tell me a little bit about Peter, most of you are going to say this, he was a loud mouth. Well, Peter was a loud mouth, but there was reasons why. And I want to show you that, and I'm going to reveal that to you. So I'm going to give you a lot of information in the background. So we also realize there are some misconceptions in the sense of what people have told us about the disciples. As I started to study, I realized that they were not necessarily true. Like one of the misconceptions, I'm going to tell you right up front, that they were all just ordinary, dumb, you know, poor people. That is not the truth. I'm going to show you that actually they came from all facets of society. And many of them were fairly wealthy for that day. And I'm going to share some of that with you. I want to start with focusing on Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, as I said, the first two brothers that were chosen. Ready? Simon Peter, here's some facts. Oh, I already gave you that, sorry. Simon Peter, here's some facts about Simon Peter. Ready? He is the most well-known of the disciples. He is mentioned in the Gospels more, in the Scriptures, more than any other disciple in the first four Gospels. Matter of fact, no other disciple speaks more often And is spoken to more often. (laughs) Isn't that neat? He's, in other words, the Bible quotes him saying more things, but also getting spoken to, which lends to, we know that sometimes Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. He told Peter that one time. That would be pretty awful. The name Peter was actually a nickname that Jesus gave to him. His actual name, his real name was Simon bar Jonah, and you can find that in Scripture. Bar means son. Jonah means John. So, it meant Simon, son of John. So, in that day, basically, that's how they recognized each other. So, in today's vernacular, it would be something like Simon John or Simon Johnson would be what we would say it would be today. So, that was his actual name. Peter was a nickname given to him by Jesus, right? And Peter meant what? stone, rock, it, that's where he got that from. And upon this rock, upon this declaration that Peter made, I will build my church, which was what? Jesus is the Lord, is Lord, Son of God. Peter was married. How many people knew that he was married? Some of you didn't know this. He was married. In Luke 4 38, it says Peter had a mother-in-law. If you have a mother-in-law, that means you need to be married. Amen. Matter of fact, this is during my study. I miss this scripture. Peter's wife traveled with him when he would go on his missionary journeys. You never knew that because it doesn't talk about it except one time. It says right here in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9.5, it says, Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers, who was one of the Lord's brothers, James, and Cephas, which was Peter. So we find out in one brief scripture that his wife actually traveled with him when he ministered later on, which is pretty cool, Right? I'm a big believer. You should try to have your wife or your significant other travel with you. It's important. Ready? Peter's death. In John 21, 18 through 19, Jesus prophesied Peter's death. He said he would stretch out his hands, basically be crucified. He basically told him, you're going to be crucified like I was. And tradition holds, and when I say tradition, that's extra biblical information, stories that were told by other people, other people like Josephus and others, Um, that were basically, tradition holds that he was crucified upside down. They went to crucify him, and he says, I don't want to be crucified like my Savior, because I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior, so crucify me upside down. That's how tradition holds that he died. Now, this is the interesting thing. All 12 disciples chose death rather than deny Jesus, and this is important for you to get. You don't die for somebody unless you fully believe in them. This is important, you get this. Because some people will say, well, how do you know that Jesus was real? Or, you know, we know that he was real, but how do we know that he died on a cross and was resurrected? Because, quite frankly, you would not give your life for something that you didn't totally believe in. Come on. So, all 12 disciples chose death. Now, we know one of them didn't die. Who was that? And and Dustin will get into that John. But tradition holds that John was put into a boiling pot of oil came out was not dead so what they did with him is they stuck him on this island called Patmos and that's where he got the book of revelation how many people know John's god's hand wasn't done with John so he lived to get the book of revelation later in life we know that while I was on the island of Patmos the lord appeared to me it says starting in the book of revelation so all 12 disciples this is important you get this because it's so important for your faith to know if they were willing to die excruciating deaths then we better believe what they believed was true and what they said in the Scriptures was true. Because no man will lay down his life for another unless he believes what he is doing is real. Right? I want to talk about the calling now. If you would turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Giving you a bunch of background. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 1, verses 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who is Peter, and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He goes, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, what did they do? They left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, and when they had gone a a little farther, guess who they ran into? James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Guess who else that became disciples? James and John. So a little farther down the road, he runs into James and John, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now here's the misconceptions I want to talk about this morning. Out of those verses that we need to see. Peter was in a fishing partnership with his brother Andrew, right? The scriptures say that. He was out in the boat fishing. And friends of James and John and their father Zebedee. I want to prove that to you because it says in the previous verse, uh, if actually I need you to turn real quickly to Luke chapter 5. These are all these verses that are going to contribute to this because I need to show you that they were actually in partnership with John and James. Verse Luke chapter 5 verse 6 and 7 I'm going to read. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to who? Their partners. Their partners in business in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. James and John were their partners, but they would also become disciples as well. Again, And also, if you read in verse 20, which we just read before that, it says, without delay he called them and left their father Zebedee, James and John, and in the boat was Zebedee the father, with what? Hired men. This was a pretty big operation. You don't hire people to work for you unless you have some money. Now, I just wanted to lay this base, because then I'm going to even go further into this and show you that the guy had some money, that Matthew, or that, that James and John, and Peter and Andrew had some money. They had a business that was going. This is a misconception that says that they didn't. The second thing I want to tell you that proves this is that Peter was from the town of Bethsaida. Now, I don't want to go there, but you can read it and write it down. In John chapter 1, verse 44, it says Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So those brothers' hometown would be Bethsaida. I want you to get that. Bethsaida, Right? But here it says they had a second residence in Capernaum. Because if you continue with verse 21, it says they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now it's important. Capernaum was the center of Jesus's ministry. I know I'm giving you a lot of information, but try to track with me. So Jesus, the center of Jesus's ministry, where he would stay was Capernaum when he wasn't traveling. This is the the center of his ministry. It was the office of his ministry. It was located off the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. So here's a picture to show you. This is the remnant of of Capernaum. You can see even some of the houses out here that they haven't excavated yet, but all the old. You can see the a fifth, I think it was the fifth century church synagogue, the white building in the front that was built. That octagon thing was a Catholic church they built later, right over the site of Peter's actual home. So that you can find this today, and you can see the Sea of Galilee, okay? So this, this, this town was on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, right? That is the actual 5th century octagon church that was built right on the site of Peter's house. If you look below this, you'll see actually Peter's house, the fragments of his house. And they recognize this is where he, where he lived, so they built this synagogue that was destroyed, right? At its height, this city was 1,500 people. It was To me, it was very similar probably to Canton. And it stretched 650,000 square feet. It was a pretty large town or village for the day. Now, if you're in Mark chapter 1, continue reading in verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to whose home? Peter and Andrew. So they were from Bethsaida, had a residence there, but they also had a home in Capernaum. So it says, Jesus, soon soon as he got done speaking in the synagogue, he went to the home of Simon and Andrew. And I need you to follow Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Remember, I said he was married. Obviously, the mother-in-law was healed. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Catch this. The whole town gathered at the door. Verse 34 And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out demons, but would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, I I want you to understand this. Capernaum and Bethsaida were only 30 minutes apart for him, they were close cities on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So, what would possess Peter? To build a home in Capernaum. There's a reason for this, and I want you to get this. Why would he need to build a home when he was so close to his home? Why would he need to build a second residence? Now, some of you financial people are gonna love this. Ready? The first reason he claimed citizenship in Capernaum is so he didn't have to pay taxes. Come on, this is important. He didn't have to pay taxes because he was become a citizen there. So he didn't have to pay taxes, right? So on the fish that he caught there, he wouldn't pay taxes because he had a home there, a place of residence. Now, I know nobody in this church has ever had somebody live, their kid live with a grandparent so they could go to a certain school district. We don't do that in this church. Okay. Second, catch this. So I hope you're, as I'm telling you this, you're recognizing that Peter wasn't dumb. He was a businessman. He was smart. He understood things, right? The second reason his house was there, that he had a second residence there, was this. Because the custom tax house was there, was that was where it was located. This is important. Ready? Beseda was a much bigger town than Capernaum, but he chose to build his house there because of that tax house. And this is important. Catch this. Why? Because everybody that came to sell their goods had to stop at Capernaum to pay a tax. All the trade routes, the silk route, all the routes from um, from Africa, from I mean, all over the known world at that time, had to come through Capernaum and pay a tax. And if they didn't, guess what happened? Their goods were confiscated. So you can imagine. They said the average, as I was doing research, the average caravan was like a thousand camels large. That is a huge amount of goods. Why? Because they weren't coming every other month on a truck. They were coming for days and weeks, traveling, so they would bring a large amount of goods to pass through the Valley of Jezreel, pass through Capernaum, and end up selling their goods. So you better stop, get the right documentation, or your goods were taken from you—literally years worth of goods. So Peter goes, "Hmm, everybody's traveling here. They're coming through here, probably eating the same food for weeks and weeks and weeks. They're going to stop here for a couple nights. Guess what they're going to want? Fresh." food. And so he started a second residence there, started a business with James and John, and started making a killing. Guess, and we're going to get into this coming weeks, guess who the tax collector was? Man, you're putting the pieces together. Jesus comes here and goes, I'm going to pick some of the highest people. He couldn't pick the Jewish leaders because they wouldn't listen. But we think he's picked just the lowest of the low, and just the down and out. No, Peter actually says later, he goes, Lord, I've given up everything to follow you. If you're poor, you don't give up a whole lot. You'll take any opportunity you can to follow someone that's going to possibly bring you greater riches. When he said, Jesus, I've given up everything, he gave up a lot. Now, the second thing I want to make about this that's important. Ready? In addition, this kind of shows. Now, a lot of this is filling in the blanks, right? And you know me, I love to fill in the blanks. This kind of shows if the whole town gathered at the door, at Peter's door, and it was several hundred people, that would kind of be hard. Why would that be hard? If you look into archaeology, you realize the streets were only about 10 to 15 feet wide. So it would have been impossible for the people to fit on the streets, all of them, if the whole town was there. Now, some people would say, well, that was just symbolism. Whatever. If you want to choose to believe that, that's, that's fine. What I looked into is they said Peter had to have had a large courtyards. So there was the house, the door, and then large courtyards that went then to the street in order to house that many people. And if you had a courtyard, you had extra money because you just expanded your property. Again, just another possibility, right? Again, I told you already in Matthew 19, 27, it says, we've given up everything to follow you what will we get in return? This is important, probably one of the most important things I need to tell you this morning. Peter was not uneducated. There's this, this, there's this thought that he was just a dumb fisherman. How many people have been told that? I've been told that. I believed it until I started studying this, and I realized that's not completely accurate. Now, this is how it went in Jewish society. If you were super intelligent, and you had the means, the money, you could be chosen to study under a rabbi. And you could talk to some of the theologians here and they'll tell you the same thing. You could choose, you could be chosen to study under a rabbi. Who do we know in the scripture that this happened to? Paul. Paul had the means and the smarts. The intelligence that he was chosen to study. If you were chosen to study under a rabbi, that puts you in a completely higher class than everybody else. If you ever seen the movies or read any of the books or anything like that, every time these Jewish leaders would come, they were revered. The Sadducees, come on, they were revered by the people. They actually were feared by the people because they could literally send people to death. So these people had um, an incredible um, education. If you did not have the intelligence or the means, you went into the family business. And what was the family business for Peter? Fishing. Now again, that doesn't mean that he wasn't intelligent. It doesn't mean that he didn't have giftings and and, and powerful things that God was using. Amen? So most of the time when we get comments like they were not very smart people, because I I want you to get this. There's super intelligent people, and then there's intelligent people that just didn't have other opportunities like other people had. It doesn't mean that God still doesn't want to use you powerfully, and that He won't choose you to do powerful things. If you look at this verse right here, this is usually where they get the comment that they were ignorant, because it says, When the Jewish leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John, this was after Jesus had resurrected and raised to heaven, was up in heaven. When this leader saw that the boldness of Peter and John and that they were unlearned and ignorant, they realized they had been with Jesus. Now most of the time we look at that and go, oh man, these these dumb people got the anointing of God and they changed the world. That's truth. That's usually how people think. That's not what that meant. What it meant is they did not have rabbinical training. They came into the presence of the Jewish leaders and they made themselves appear as if they had been trained by a rabbi. Guess what? They had the best one, Jesus. And so they came in as ignorant and unlearned men, as people that had not had formal training, and they gave themselves and presented themselves before the Jewish leaders like they had. And all of a sudden they realized, oh, They had been with Jesus, who was the rabbi, right? Who would have rather trained under than Jesus himself. So, again, they were intelligent. Come on. They had, you know, some ability. Again, but if society didn't open that door for you, you went into the family business, right? Now, I want to talk about Peter's strengths. So, you have this man that obviously had some ability because he was running a fishing business, was making good money, was married, seemed to have pretty good success, according to Scripture. What do we know about Peter? He was quick to speak. How many people know that's true? Right? As soon as Jesus talked about him going to die on the cross, he goes, you're not going to die. Can you imagine that? I've said that before. Can you imagine being the person saying, you're not going to die on the cross and save mankind. I'm going to stop you. What an idiot. But see, he was quick to speak. He didn't think things through all the time right he was quick to to react to the situation right he was quick to speak slow to listen how many times did he place his foot in his mouth now as i'm saying this i want you to think maybe this is your personality i know it's mine right i'm quick to speak sometimes i'm slow to listen but there's some there's some aspects of his personality that were very 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 good again he was needed in the 12 disciples his personality was needed and we're going to go through every personality and you'll see it okay he was even scolded by Jesus, which I loved. He was bold and fiery. Is that true? What happened when, the, when at the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came and grabbed the hold of Jesus, what'd they, what did he do? He pulled out a sword. <laughs> I don't think he was aiming for the eerie, by the way, people. He probably was not that good. He was probably aiming for the head and missed. Jesus ends up healing the guy. He was bold and fired. He didn't accept no for an answer. He was quick to respond to Jesus. How do I know that? He's the only disciple that stepped out of the boat. I love this, that scripture, because people always talk about the lack of faith in Peter, right? The lack of faith. But the fact is, no other disciple dared step out of the boat. He was the only one that said, hey, let me come to you. And we know what happened. He got his eyes off Jesus, looked at the storm, and began to sink. And Jesus saved them. But I give God praise that there's people that are willing to step out of the boat. I give God praise that there's willing people take risk with the real opportunity of sinking. And if Jesus doesn't save you, you're done. Man, that's the, come on. That's faith. That's the kind of people that we need in the body of Christ. This is the kind of people that God chose, Jesus chose to be his disciples. Each one being a little bit different, right? Being a little bit different. He led even amongst the other disciples. It's true, right? He would lead, I mean, because it says when they named the disciples, what do they say? They go first Peter. Peter's always labeled first. He was like the leader of the twelve in the upper room, when they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come after Jesus had ascended to heaven, who was the one that spoke up and said, we probably need to replace Judas? It was Peter. Peter was always the one. Not always correctly, but he was always the one to speak up, to be bold, to show boldness. He was trusted. Now this might be hard for some people to understand that Jesus had his favorites. This is absolutely true. Peter actually was one of his favorites. If you read about it, you will see, I'm going to give you the scriptures here, look at Luke 8:51 and Mark chapter 9. The one is the transfiguration, Mark 9, and the other one is the girl that was healed. He, P- Jesus only took three disciples with him. Guess who they were? Peter, James, and John. He was always, he's the one that always accompanied Jesus. He was in the inner circle. He was favored, right? He was trusted. He was correctable. You know what that means? Yeah, he was teachable. He was able to be taught because if Jesus, I mean, I don't know about you, but you get quite offended if some of the things that Jesus said to, to him said to you. Remember the one scripture says that, you know, when Jesus was telling him how he was going to die, and I think there was a little jealousy in, in Peter. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I can't prove this, but I think there's a little jealousy in Peter because John was the one that was loved by Jesus the most. No, the scriptures say that. John's the one that said it, which I think is hilarious. I'm going to write an autobiography and say, Jesus loved me more than any of you. (laughs) That's basically what he said, which is kind of funny. But Peter, I think, was a little jealous by that because after he, Jesus tells him how he's going to die, he turns around and looks at the disciple that that Jesus loved, is what it says, and says, how is he going to die? It was like, well, if I'm going to die this way, how's he going to die? He didn't point out any other disciple. And Jesus, I love Jesus. You know what he said? He cares more about your character than than your feelings, by the way. He says to him, none of your business. That's what he said. Read it. It's absolutely incredible. It's none of your business how he dies. Also, the transfiguration, I want to touch on that real quick. This is important. Ready? Peter, because he was so bold and fiery, when he took those three, Jesus took those three and was transfigured before him. Guess what Peter immediately did? He's like, Jesus, do you want me to build three shelters? What do you want me to do? And literally, I love this part. God's voice had to come from heaven and say, shut up and listen to him. Isn't that beautiful? He had to say, listen, God, this is my beloved son whom I love. Will you be quiet and just listen to him? Love it. Love it, love it, love it. What does that tell me about Peter? Again, some of these strengths and weaknesses. Ready? He was uncomfortable with silence. You ever been in a prayer meeting? Prayer meetings are supposed to be prayers, right? Well, we all think prayer meetings mean outspoken prayers, which they're okay, right? We want to pray and pray together. But you ever get in a meeting where it's like like a minute where no one prays? I guarantee you there's people here that are like, I'm gonna have to pray something. Uh, um, uh, I need to pray, uh, 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 My tire was flat. God, I just thank you for flat tires because it just taught me patience this morning, Lord. You know what I'm talking about. Peter was uncomfortable with silence. He was uncomfortable just sitting there and seeing and observing. He felt like he always needed to interject himself into what Jesus and God was doing. It's one, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm very much like Peter and I have had to learn it's okay to watch from the sidelines what God is doing and actually get to the point now where I absolutely celebrate it. This worship team this morning was out of this world. Out of this world. Jackie did an amazing job. The rest of them did an amazing job. And I'm sitting over there loving it. For several reasons, but loving it seeing from a distance. I, I don't have to. This is They're doing an amazing job. Amazing job. Amen? Awesome. So this is what he had. He was uncomfortable with silence. Again, he was correctable. He's teachable. And we know that he repented, so he didn't mind repenting. How many people know? Repenting is not easy, but you need to get used to doing it. Why? Because you mess up a lot. And God used his weaknesses and still used them powerfully. The next one, and I'm almost done here, believe it or not. It's my first. I'm almost done. I usually get five. Andrew is the second one. Here's some facts about him. It is believed that he was the first disciple called. He is only mentioned 14 times in the Gospels, but he's always mentioned in the top four. So when the disciples are mentioned in order, he's always like the four, or the top four. Now, even though there's not a lot of information given about him, we still can derive some background, and that's what I'm going to do this morning. He was first, how many people know this? Who was he a disciple of first before Jesus? He was actually, and you can look at it in John chapter 1 verses 35 through 40, you can look at it and see that he was actually a disciple of John the Baptist first. And when Jesus came along and John the Baptist declared who this was, the Lamb of God, he left John and began to follow Jesus. Now, we don't know if that means he became a disciple. I don't think it did. I think he just started inquiring what was going on because it shows in later he was in the boat and he was actually officially called by Jesus. Now, as I said already, Simon Peter and Andrew were brothers. OK, many theologians and studying this is a little bit of the debate here. But most theologians believe that Andrew was slightly older than Peter. And in that culture, the older brother had more honor right he had the first the first brother always had the honor, had the, the you know the blessing you know you remember in the Old Testament where the Esau was it that tried to steal the blessing whatever, and I think I'm messing it up, but anyway, it was very, very, very important to be the older brother and if you look, and I think Dustin will touch on this a little bit i 'm going to touch on this. most of the disciples were older than Jesus we don 't think about that, but they were actually called when they were much older, going back to what I said how do we how could we gain some information about Andrew? If he was the older brother, think about this. They're in business, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, in business with their father's deputy, James and John's father, with a bunch of hired men. They all four of them get called by Jesus, but yet guess, guess which one was left out of the inner circle? Andrew. Ooh, that would hurt. You're the older brother. You actually had more hunger for God than your own brother Peter because you were... A disciple of John the Baptist, which shows what? That he had a hunger for God. He was going after the things of the Lord before Peter did. And when they're finally all four called, which is excellent, he's the one that is not included in the inner circle. That would hurt, wouldn't it? The older brother, always involved with this business, having a say in this business. How many people have ever been there where you've been praying for something and praying for something and praying for something and it happens to someone else? And you have a choice whether to celebrate them or not or complain. I'll, I'll never forget this. This happened with my first year of pastoring. I'll never forget this. Never, ever forget this. I got humbled so bad. Don't we love being humbled? We had been praying like for a year, year or two, for the presence of the Lord to move in our church. We're just like, God, we need you here. We need you to really do a powerful thing. And it was a small group of people. And we we're just praying and praying. This is like when I first started like 12, 13 years ago. New Life invited somebody in, a guest speaker, and they ended up having revival service for services for like three or four weeks in a row. I mean, powerful services. And I'm sitting there going, I prayed. Oh, no, we don't think that way, right? Yeah, we always, we're always, we always, oh, God, just do it anywhere. It doesn't have to be happening here. Just do it anywhere. No, come on, people. You know, humanity says, if we're praying for it, and we were asking for a new car and somebody else gets a new car, we feel that as a slap in our face. Oh, that's the other church. All right, I'm not preaching. I'll just preach to myself. So, Sean, Yeah, you were really in the wrong there because you were praying for revival.